Good afternoon. My name is uh, Abdullah Varacha. I'm a member of faculty here at Gibbs, and it gives me great pleasure on behalf of JP Morgan and the Entrepreneurship Development Academy here at Gibbs to welcome you into this LinkedIn Live session. You would recall, if you were part of last week's session, that we spoke about uh, an element in terms of business shift as a result and as a consequence of COVID-19. This is part of a 10-part series uh, that is done in partnership with JP Morgan and Gibbs, where we actually spend some time with small business owners in what we've titled uh, the Small Business Survival Toolkit. And so today is a particularly interesting session. It's a session that speaks a lot to me because I often say that the consumer market gives us a good reflection in terms of the pulse of a society. And so it gives me great pleasure to welcome today Karen Duchen, who's the Chief Growth Officer for Cantor for Middle East and Africa. Karen is in the field. She does a huge amount of work with different organizations in the space. And really, today is a chance for us to interact with Karen to talk about consumer insights in a COVID-19 type of world. The way I've structured the session is that we'll have some formal inputs by Karen, after which I'll uh, pose a set of questions to her. But I really want the session to be a connection and interaction with you. So you'll see that on your LinkedIn panel, there's an opportunity for you to connect and engage with me. I'll connect with you. I'll take all of your questions and I will use your questions to be able to direct the conversation in the latter part. Uh, so without much further ado, Karen, it's a pleasure to have you with us uh, and look forward to your inputs and, uh, and session today. Thank you. Hi, thanks everyone. And lovely to be here this afternoon and sharing some ideas from a consumer perspective. Um, just a quick intro, uh, a little bit more on myself. Um, I work for a business called Cantar, which is one of the world's largest insights business. And we've been tracking consumer perceptions on how people feel during this period across 50 markets for the last uh, eight to 10 weeks. And we're going to continue to do that over the next 10 weeks um, so that we can keep people informed. And from my perspective, just for a little bit later when... Um, we do the questions and answers. I'd love to know what kind of industries you come from so that I can like, bring up some of the examples that are, are more relevant to you. Because as um, we've already mentioned, I do work across a number of different types of industries, so often have some clever little ideas that I could be sharing. So I think if we, if we move now into the formal part of the, um, the day, um, for all of us, life has changed. And you know, since we went into lockdown just 10 weeks ago, I don't even think we can imagine what our lives are like before. Life has changed in so many different ways. And for us as business owners, we need to see what do we need to do differently? How do we adapt and reinvent ourselves to be more relevant because nothing is the same. And I think there's almost no industry whatsoever that's not affected by this time. And how do we adapt and listen to the consumer trends to, to make them work for our businesses? So uh, you may have heard the expression, the Corona Coaster. Um, depending on what business you're in, that Corona Coaster could have mean, meant excess demand and you're just battling to keep up with what's going on. And for others, no demand whatsoever. So how do we adapt and get the ideas from other industries if we are in either side of this curve. And um, just from a macroeconomic perspective, we've done um, a survey as well amongst business owners, small business, medium and large business, and um, looked at the world trends. And what we see is that the impact of this virus has been as severe in just three weeks as it took three years in the 2008 um, recession. So this is really... It's going to affect us all and consumers' pockets are affected and that affects all of us as business in here in South Africa. So if we take a quick reflection on um, the business survey, what we saw from 
businesses across different sizes that 85% of all the businesses we interviewed just a couple of weeks ago said that their revenues have already been impacted. And of those who said they've experienced a decrease, 97% said they've already had to cut back on their staff. And whether that means you might be in that same situation, um, you might be affected by that yourself, your family members or whatever, but how do we rise up and still find the energy to continue to put energy into our business, to put the vision that we need and to reinvent ourselves as we go forward um, in this 2020 crazy year that we're living in. Let's now take a look at the consumers themselves. And we've been interviewing these people, as I said, all every two weeks to get a perspective of how things are changing over time. And what we see is that people are very concerned. If we compare ourselves to other markets, um, we're not far behind China, who was the first to be affected. And people are very concerned. But when we look at what they're concerned about, they're actually more concerned about their economic situation than their actual health. So perhaps, you know, um, we want people to behave and, and look after the health of others, but actually the most thing they're worried about is how can I cut back? How can I make sure I'm going to be able to get through this year to feed my family, to look after my, my, myself and my situation? And, and the economic impact has been quite severe. And that means it will affect demand across many, many industries um, in South Africa today. And we believe that as a business, we can't just take um, sort of knee-jerk reactions. We do need to look at things holistically. We need to take a good hard look at what are the consumer trends? What do they mean for our business? And we need to do this holistically. What does it mean for our organization and the way we run things? Depending on your size of business, you may have silos and how do you come together and work differently? How do you work in this work from home situation? You need to look at your, your channel and are there other ways that you could be reaching your customers because there are a lot of barriers in terms of delivering service and products to consumers at the current time. Um, what are the category dynamics? What do we anticipate they're going to be for the next three, six, nine or two years? And anticipate those scenarios and work through the highs, the lows and, and adapt what you might be offering according to that. So today I thought I would run you through five key trends that we're picking up from the consumer study itself and quickly race through those, give you some examples of, of what um, is coming through and then we can finish up with some questions that you might have relating to those trends and your business so that we can give some practical support as well. So the first one is what we're seeing now is far more of an era of shared humanity. Um, what we know is that selfless, selfishness has been on the rise for years and years. And actually what this virus has done is made us reflect. It's made us realize that we don't live in isolation. We don't live in an island. And we do need to consider others around us and the impact of this. And we're seeing far more community connectedness, that whole Ubuntu spirit where people are saying, you know, I actually need to look after you. It's my, it's my responsibility to think about my actions, et cetera. We don't have everybody doing that, as is witnessed by many images on social media. But I think for all businesses, if you can take a moment to reflect, what can I do differently to demonstrate that I am a part of a community, I care about the community, I care about my staff. In particular, consumers are saying companies need to look after their staff. They need to start at home, start in the business that they're operating and look after their people, show that they care and try and do as much as possible to sustain revenue as well as looking after the salaries as far as possible for their, for their staff. I know that's not always easy, depending on the context that you're operating in. So then, if we look at what does this mean for growth, um, we're starting to see every week an increase in people saying, I look after myself, to people saying we're in this together and we need to find solutions together. So if you can come up with ways of new partnerships, 
new collective actions, what we're seeing is collaborations that would never have taken place before are suddenly happening. Many people say that this COVID virus is like the digital accelerator of all. You say, people say, where did your digital strategy come from? COVID-19. Because things that we didn't believe possible are suddenly happening. And in particular, I think entrepreneurs are really on the, on the top end of this curve. And I've been so inspired by some of the actions that different businesses are taking across South Africa. So here's just some practical tips when it comes to that Ubuntu spirit and that, and that era of shared community. Try and be a connector. Find ways that you can connect people, allow ideas to be shared, whether that's via social media, whether it's via a campaign that has people contributing, whether it's about actually asking your customers to interact if you're in a service industry with one another and share ideas on how you can do things differently. I think it's about having a growth mindset, a mindset that says anything is possible. Let's look at Let's take up all the, the old ways of doing things and say, is there another way to do this? Showing generosity, compassion, and understanding of the hardships that people are going through is really important. We need to be more resourceful. We need to make magic from nothing. And I think that that's a small business in particular where we can be really clever and stretch ourselves to do more with less. Where we possible, bring some joy um, in your communication. I think this is a time where there's a lot of seriousness, concern and, and difficulty and we need to bring that positivity and where you can share knowledge. And I think that's part of our initiative here at Cantar is we've decided that we are going to share as much knowledge as we can to support businesses with that kind of impact information. And I gave this example from Koo, but Koo's a real household brand and obviously it's a big business. But what they've done is allowed all the, the people that use Koo's to share the way that they are eating coo, what they're doing, what their recipes are. And people love to try the things that other people are doing. And this has really helped them feel more connected to the community. Great example. The next trend I'm going to talk, talk about is being more purposeful. And we call it purpose post the pandemic, but we know that those businesses that are doing more than just profit, that are thinking about what is it that their business brings to their customers, to the world, right, at a higher level, are actually more successful. When you can take yourself up from just being functional, up the, the curve to being having more of an impact on society, this does pay off on the bottom line. Are generally able to collect more customers, charge more for your products and services because the value of your brand goes up when you have a more of a purposeful impact on the community. And we've seen this across the world and, and in particular in our Brandsy Global Valuation Study, we see that those brands that are more purposeful actually are able to have higher returns on the stock exchange, et cetera. And um, wherever possible, if you can look at what is your brand truth and what does this mean for human truth? What can you do to connect the two dots together? And I've given this example from, from Dove, whose purpose is about true and inner beauty, right? And they have taken photographs of all the, the hospital workers across the world and shown the troubles that they go through with wearing the, the protective gear. And... You know, they just showed real photos of real people and it just helps you to connect and it's very true to the Dove brand. And um, people are saying, how do you help me in my life? So anything you can do that just demonstrate that you are making a difference in, in the world, I think it's worth reminding people. The next one is that people are looking for very strong signals of safety across all industries. They want to know that you are doing your best to keep me safe and to keep your business safe and to keep the world safe, right? And if we look at the old Maslow's hierarchy of needs, what we've seen is products and services that are serving those basic physiological and safety needs have gone up 
incrementally. And some of the products at the top, more luxury products at the high end, holidays, travel, wealth management, these kind of things are actually being deprioritized to, can I get access to data? So great great growth we're seeing in telco type businesses, in anything that's using digital to accelerate itself. And then of course, safety products, sanitizers, and just reminding people what you're doing to keep the world safe. So we've seen a huge growth in businesses that are making screens, sanitizers, people that have pivoted their business to try new things over time. So um, another trend that, part of this trend that plays in our favor is that people saying, I want to buy local, okay? In the past, people were quite happy, didn't even care where their products, if their avos were from Israel or if um, they came from Durban. Now people are saying, I want to buy products that are made in South Africa, I want to buy them from near my home. I want to know where they come from. And there's not a lot of trust in products coming out of China as a result of um, this virus. And what we're seeing is that people say are paying a lot more attention to the origin of products. So how can we use that to our advantages as local businesses? I think that's what we need to think about. And in terms of signals of safety, we're seeing that in particular from your products, if you're able to to use what we would describe as provenance, where did your product come from? Who made it? These are the people that work. This is how they produce. It's showing people the actual process. People want to see physical manifestations of what you're doing to improve the safety. Some things that you would have just taken for granted in the past have to be dialed up in, in how you communicate with people in the current day. And I thought I'd just share a case study of things around safety and collaboration and new ways of working. And this is just two little businesses that I happen to know of. One of them is a cleaning company and the other one is a sign maker. Okay, so the sign maker is normally making signs for stadiums. Needless to say, there is no sport. This business has gone to zero. Okay, so but what do they have? They have ability to work with um, metal. They have ability to work with cloth, ability to print. So they teamed up with the cleaning company and have been, the cleaning company has the customers, right, that want safety equipment. They want masks. They want screens that are going to keep staff safe. They want to be able to, keep customers safe in the store. So between these two companies, they have been able to team up and create new products and services that make use of um, both of their skills. And both of the, so one's got the customer, the other one's got the skills. And between them, they've been able to bring the two products together. So the sanitizer made in a tunnel that's made out of the normal production process of, of the sign maker. You know, who would you ever thought of a cleaning company and a sign making company working together? But there you go. That is what we need to do. We need to keep our eyes open. We need to be looking for new ways of thinking. What are my skills? What are my customers? What are your skills? What are your customers? How do we come together? How do we find new perspectives? And I think it's those that are really thinking out the box that are seeing success. The next trend, the fourth trend, is all around value. And I've already mentioned to you that almost eight out of 10 homes have had some kind of impact on the salaries of that home. So one member might have had a salary cut, one may have lost their job, one may be only receiving UIF. So there is less money during the rounds. So the whole concept of value has been redefined and people are saying, I'm paying more attention to prices and I'm more likely to notice things on sale. But what they mean as well is they want to see, what can you give me? Can you give me something more for the same price? Can you bring just a little bit extra? DSTV added all the news channels because they knew people wanted to be informed. There's others that are packing stuff together into boxes, like say in um, the supermarkets or whatever, and that that bulk buy is worth more than if you had to buy all the products individually. So what can you do to bring more benefit 
for the same price. So it's not only about price, it's about the benefits that you bring, that little bit extra. And what we know from our consumption um, information around the world is that people do one of three things when they're in, under these kind of tight economics. They switch to more affordable categories, in particular in the alcohol category. We've had no alcohol sales here. But overseas, what we've seen is that where people were buying more image-led brands, because they were, you know, alcohol is a very image-led uh, category. They're downgrading to just stuff that's everyday for at home. They're choosing the more affordable categories. Or they'll swap. They say, normally I buy the little one. I'm actually going to buy the bulk one and buy it less often because I'm getting better value for money. Or maybe they don't have enough money, so they're having to buy very small products. There's kind of two edges to that scale. Or they squeeze themselves. They try and use less. They try and make things go further, stretch the meal in the evening, etc. So we need to think of ways that we can demonstrate to our customers, how are we helping them to make these decisions or to go to get more for less? And also make sure that we get the business coming into our own companies. Then the last trend, which I think is really important, and here we are, we're doing a digital webinar. This is digital acceleration. People have been living in front of Zoom if they are in an office kind of job. But every business has has the opportunity to digitize. And I'm working in a research company. The way we normally do research is we knock on doors, we ask people their opinions, we bring them into rooms, we discuss products, we show them stuff, we touch them, we feel them. We cannot do that. So we have, and many of our clients were resistant to doing research in an online way. We've basically pivoted 100% of all our qualitative research to being digital. And our insights we're getting are remarkable. People were afraid to try, but now they're not because there is no choice. And I think you should use this opportunity to push the boundaries of those things you haven't tried before that are about digital. And in particular, when it comes to buying things online, many people were afraid to use their credit card to, to buy something online and they were happy to go to the shop. But because they don't want to go to the shop, they are trying shopping online. And we've seen a huge increase in that and um, a huge opportunity for many Smaller businesses that have really seen huge acceleration, like the likes of Zulzi and OneCart and all these little delivery businesses have seen sales go through the roof, right? Um, OneCart had an 800% increase in demand for their services. On Monday of this week, delivery companies, courier companies were delivering products they have never delivered before because they needed to get the highly demanded product that was there for this week to people's homes on Monday. And I think it's, amazing to see how people have actually opened their minds to different ways of charging. So they may have charged, you know, 100 rand to deliver a package. Now they're saying, I will rent you my delivery guy for this amount per day and you can deliver as many things as possible. So different business models. We need to think about pricing. We need to think about the way we deliver value in a new way to make sure that we meet the supply and the demand together. And um, I also like this example. It is from a larger business, Knorr. And what they've done is they've partnered with OneCart, which is an online thing. And they actually, their product is flavoring, right? So they've put in, here's a recipe, but then they also let you put the pasta, tomato, whatever else is going to be in that recipe. And they say, okay, this is going to cost you 60 rand to make this for supper, this whole recipe. Helping people to understand, okay, that's not bad. I'm paying 60 rand for my family, not bad. Helping them to do the maths for, for the same situation. And um, we've seen Macro just partner with one cart. We've seen Pick and Pay partnering with bottles to deliver groceries. And there's a lovely example um, coming out of Cape Town, which is called Yebo Fresh. And many of these more traditional retailers 
don't offer delivery across all kinds of um, neighbourhoods. And in particular, going to informal areas and, and areas where they think that people wouldn't necessarily have the means to, to uh, achieve delivery. But Gebel Fresh takes wheelbarrows and will take your products down, bulk buys. They put together really great packages of chicken with meat, with vegetables and potatoes that people, they know that most homes would want. And the, if, you guys, if the guy's got a motorbike, a bicycle, a wheelbarrow, you name it, he will deliver it to the home bringing value. Such great innovation from a small business. And I think that's the kind of thing we want to see, the spirit that we have as entrepreneurs to, to think out the box and do things differently. And I think that's what I've got to share with you today. Um, I just leave you with one last thought. Is imagine if this happened 20 years ago. We'd be on our little Nokia phones. We would have no access to information. We'd certainly not be doing this today. We'd be stuck. So let's be grateful for the, for the wonder that is the world and technology and the things that enable us to continue living under these very trying times. So I wish you well for your businesses and I think we can go over to Q&A. I think some really valuable input. You know, a lot of what you, you said reminds me of a quote by Milton Friedman, who said this not in a COVID environment, but many, many years ago. He said, only a crisis, actual or perceived, produces real change. And that change gets accelerated by the ideas that are lying around. And so yeah. everything from Yebo Fresh to the work of Knorr yeah. to the businesses who traditionally were in a signage world, really doing signage for sporting environments, pivoting, shifting yeah. into something that's fundamentally different. I like that because it gets us to look at this not in terms of the current crisis, but really perhaps reset, rewire, reimagine what the future might look like. And so some opportunities will open up as a result of that. I think your work around uh, how do we look at business models for value, yeah. for localization, for purpose? Uh, and obviously, I love the work around magic from nothing, right? And uh, connectedness in isolation, that even though we're in isolation, we find ways for connectedness. And then obviously, the issue of alliances. I want to bring in some of the comments that, uh, that have come through. So your first question was, what are the industries? And uh, you know, the industries are so varied. People in asset finance, in banking, in consulting, in manufacturing, in the retail sector, businesses in different stages of evolution. Mm -hmm. And so that really brings to some of the questions that have come through. A question from Sibabalwe Nombembe, who asks the question, what do you think growth will look like in terms of import and export volumes? especially, you know, the shifts in terms of China and its relationships. I don't know yeah. if you've got some thoughts on that. So, so I do have some thoughts on that. As they say, never waste a good crisis, right? <laughs> so we need to, to, to maximise on this. I think what we're seeing from a consumer perspective is there is a fear of certain products coming from outside of the country. They don't know the safety of, they don't know how the products were, were transported, etc. So there's, I think there could be a, a reduction in demand for imports. And there's an opportunity for South African products to sell more within South Africa. So perhaps, likewise, you know, people may be afraid of having products coming to them from afar. So I think the opportunity to really look at the domestic market, and often we don't see the potential that is here. So we may have ignored the domestic market, and now we need to find more opportunities here. And in particular, when it comes to travel, as it starts to open up, I think that there's going to be a lot more local travel. Mm. I think South African tourism is going to be really busy <laughs> helping the small business to unlock, show the safety, bring um, new ways of um, demonstrating how you clean the sheets, do whatever. But I think we're going to have to look at the South African market and ways of how do we create more demand here. 
You know, I think it's such a it's such a lovely point because it starts to open up opportunities for authentic local travel. Yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll talk a bit personally. I I've never been to Namibia, uh, which is on the. I border, have it on right? my list too. Wow. It's on my list. <laughs> and now I've said I'm going to go to Namibia yeah. because yeah. some of my other options have closed. And so I, I said to myself, where yeah. do I actually look at some of the yeah. local options that come through? And maybe just to build on that, yeah. what was going through your head? Safety. It's isolated. It's not going to have lots of people. Yeah. It's going to be fine. I'm going to be in the bush. It's actually a good choice, right? Under these conditions. 100%. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's interesting. As I was walking for the session into Gibbs, I uh, obviously had a mask on and somebody who walked past me had a mask on. And she greeted me and she said, Abdullah, how are you doing? And in my mind, I tried to reconcile. I don't know who this is. I can't <laughs> figure it out. I don't know what to say to them. But this is the reality in terms of yeah. how do we find new ways in which we connect and engage. Uh, I want to come to another question, which is really around... As you see increased ways of, of localization, as you've spoken about, where do you see uh, how businesses can perhaps accelerate the work that they can do in terms of localization? So what can they do to, to really empower themselves to get more active in terms of creating that local supply chain? So, by the way, well done on wearing your mask the right way around, because I actually came in here with my mask with the wrong way around, my nose pin under my chin. <laughs> so I'm learning. It's a learning time we're in. We need to be open-minded. But I think... Again, let's go back to technology. What about geographic information, all right? I think many of us have not been thinking about geography. And people do want to buy local. So how do you understand where your customers are located? Are there different ways of looking? Can you do buy local and, you know, put radiuses around your business, help people to know what's the, the route to market or whatever? And we've seen things like Mr. Deliver saying, free delivery within three kilometers, because they want the customers to support those businesses locally. So I think... Thinking about bringing the human dimension as well, so that the more people can connect, like, oh, it's this restaurant that those people, and I, I actually like that guy that used to serve me. I think the human connection needs to be dialed up through everything when you're going local. You know, I think to that and, and the issue of collaboration, I mean, you think of a company like Net Florist, right? As the crisis hit, it shifts into supply chain using its delivery mechanisms for fresh produce, right? For Absolutely, fruits and veg. Yeah. Amazing, uh, amazing. And, uh, and I yeah. think a lot of this is, as you said, this concept of innovation, thinking exactly. of new possibilities yeah. and collaborating perhaps yeah. in, in different ways. And I've ways. seen like on that note, like a Yappy Chef, which is a, a local entrepreneur business, they do you know, plates and knives and forks and whatnot right. come into your home. They have partnered with some local craft kind of um, people that are making ham or making beautiful pâtés or something that's right. fresh. They've never done fresh before. Now they're learning how to do that. They've had to learn about a different supply chain process, etc. But they're still trying to keep it premium and true to, their, to who they are. So how you, you open up but keep to, to be true to who you are. And, you know, the other thing that, uh, you know, I often uh, say is that in a frenetic type of lifestyle, it's difficult to, to think about the concept of innovation because a lot of it starts with idea generation. Now you've got a bit more time. Uh, mm. You're not spending hours on the commute to work. Uh, you're not frazzled in terms of, you know, getting into a car at 7, 7 a.m. and making sure you get to a place on time. Mm. And so maybe that opens up some, some new ways of thinking and, and opportunities of thinking that way. Last question, Karen, that uh, I think... So maybe just to sure. build on that point, is I think wherever, in, in many companies, as soon as you get to a little bit of, you know, you've grown a little bit, this guy might be looking after sales, that guy might be looking after the customer, someone else is doing accounts, someone else is doing the IT. How do you get all those brains together sure. and to have multifunctional teams and brainstorms and looking at the whole business, making sure you're actually being very purposeful about getting the ideas onto the table? 
then you can say, okay, that'll never happen or that'll take a longer time or maybe this is something we could do right now. Sure. So getting ourselves a time frame because the more we can visualise a way out, the more we can start to create that demanding and create the, the belief that is, we're going to get there. We're all going to be hit, but we need to believe we can get out of it. And we can because South Africans know how to make a plan. <laughs> So you, uh, you obviously look after Middle East and Africa at Kanta. Prior to March, you probably were traveling a lot on different airplanes. That's changed. Uh, you haven't been on a plane for the last two and a half months. No. Mm-hmm. Practically, how, how have you managed to still have the collaboration with your team, that what you talk about, connectedness in isolation? Like how, whatever, how have you managed some yeah. of that? So kind of initially, you don't realize, um, okay, this is going to be for a while. Right. So you start with just a little bit of email. But you have to get back to the human side. So conversation, human being connectedness, understanding the context of one another. So I spend a lot of time talking on WhatsApp calls, on Zoom calls, on team calls, just really connecting. And I've had to learn how to broadcast, for example. (laughs) So uh, my first one, I just literally, I decided I'm going to do Teams Live. Never done it. I read the instructions. It's actually quite hard initially (laughs) (laughs) because you've got to produce and put something, move stuff around. And I said, you know, I, I went in and I said to guys, look, I don't know how to do this, guys. I'm trying. I'm trying to demonstrate that we all have to just try. If we don't start, we get nowhere. So I, yeah. if there's one word I have for everyone is just start, just try. Because each step is another step closer to new ways of working. Lovely. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end on that point. And, and firstly, thank you for your time, for your contribution, and for really some refreshing perspective mm. in terms of how we see some of these trends. And then I want to thank you. Uh, I think it's been uh, great having you uh, in this LinkedIn Live session with us. Uh, as I said, we will have these sessions every Wednesday from 1.30 p.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, with different uh, perspectives from a multitude of different people coming in from the academic world, from the business world, really to focus on the small business survival toolkit. Uh, next week, uh, on Wednesday from 1.30, we'll have Dr. Charlene Liu, who's a member of faculty here at Gibbs, uh, and Charlene and I will have a discussion in terms of decision-making, uh, decision-making from a small business perspective. On behalf of uh, JP Morgan and the Entrepreneurship Development Academy here at Gibbs, I'd like to thank you for your time, and I look forward to welcoming you and interacting with you again. If you've got any questions between this session and the next, please feel free to email us at smmehelp at gibbs.co.za and we'll, we'll continue the conversation there. Uh, but I look forward to welcoming you to the session next week and keep well. Thank you very much.